We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect. There are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Napa A Napa guy knows that by the foot, there's no better ride than an old station wagon. Room for six people facing forward, two people facing backward, and a whole lot of luggage, lumber, and bicycles haphazardly strapped to the roof. If you can parallel park that beast, you can park anything. And with some quality parts and a little Napa know-how, you can keep your land ship running longer, stronger. It's not obsolete. It's a rare treasure. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. Welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Derek Van Riper here with Mario Puig on this Friday. It is week eight. Uh, Tim Heaney's internet connection, well, it, it just didn't work for us today. So Mario got uh, roped into doing this pod. Hopefully it'll be uh, fun for everybody involved. Oh, it will. It Has appears to be. My microphone appears to be working, so it's, it's going to be great. Yeah, the little wavy lines on my screen uh, are happening, so I, I'm encouraged by that. Uh, if you listen to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or some other platform or app where you can leave a rating and review, we'd greatly appreciate it. Thanks to those who've taken a few minutes to do that already. I uh, got the Thursday night recap. I got some injuries to get to, and we'll talk about some DraftKings value plays and targets for this week as well. Let's start with that color rush game. Jags Titans last night. Beautiful. It's, it's as good as it can possibly get. Uh, a lot of colors. The uh, Jags alternate color rush uniforms look terrible. They are maybe the worst uniforms I've ever is seen. That, is that like metallic mustard? Is that what you would call metallic it? Metallic mustard. Yeah. Heinz gold. Like like chrome, like mustard jammed under uh, clear chrome or something. Mustard with a little bit of like barbecue sauce spilled into it. I, I didn't see the barbecue uh, hints, but maybe maybe that's what Blake Bortles has all over his hands when he plays, and that, that's the issue. Yeah, why isn't he good anymore? Well, he wasn't good, I think it turns out. He, he was very dependent on garbage time last year. It, I still kind of bought in a little bit because it was you know his second year. He uh, 
wasn't super polished coming out of UCF. So I thought like, Oh, he's making progress. And it's, it's not often that you see a quarterback in his second year throw 35 touchdowns. Uh, it turns out, I think, um, basically just the modern rules and, and tendencies of the NFL. It's, it, it now is the case that a 35 touchdown campaign doesn't mean you're any good. Um, so that's, I guess where we're at right now. He can get better again, but right now he is broke. He, you can't use him. He's useless. Yeah, well, there's a, a website. It rhymes with bro schmutball pock, uh, and it, it suggests that I don't know what you're talking. Blake about. Bortles is the king of garbage time stat padding. He didn't even do that last week. He did it last night. He did it last night. It was close though. Like it was looking like he was gonna whiff even on that one. He definitely did against Oakland. He's in a dangerous spot, though, because I don't think they have to necessarily remain committed to him. I mean, if he continues to struggle the way he has to this point, we could get to a point. We could get to a point in December where they just pull the plug. They give uh, Chad Henney, I guess, some snaps. Is that the right? Uh, Nick Whalen, our, our resident uh, Jags fan, was saying that the in I don't know if it was the Oakland game or the the, the Bears one. One of the recent games, the, the cameras kept going to Henney. Like they were just like, oh, and here's here's Chad Henney, by the way. I think I think Henny time might be approaching, especially if especially if Gus Bradley gets fired before the season ends, and like the new coach wants to try to like give a, an appearance of stability. Probably want to put Henny in to to stop the, the bleeding a little bit because at, at least he you know he, he is a more constant sort of bad. He's not like a he's not like a meltdown for three quarters kind of bad like. Bortles is and then that's stability is nice you like consistency like that Henny just seems like Josh McCown 2.0 that'd be that's optimistic I think but I, I kind of think McCown is a pretty decent quarterback to be honest is there an old ship bell ringing somewhere in this room uh, what kind of bell you know like like a bell from an old ship oh no I don't think so I, I don't know what that noise was yeah that's interesting I don't, I don't know if the listeners heard that or not uh other happenings in this game last night Alan Hearns who I thought was kind of useless, came out and had one of his best games uh, of the season. Marquise Lee, very quiet in this one. Allen Robinson, 15 targets, but still not a lot of production. Uh, Are you in on the idea of trying to buy low on Allen Robinson, or do you think it's just all on Bortles right now with no sign of really figuring things out? It's going to be more disappointment if you go ahead and make that move for Allen Robinson. If you can acquire Allen Robinson without you know, sacrificing your team's ability to compete substantially in the meantime, it makes sense to pursue him now. Uh, I don't think it can get any worse than it is. So if you acquire him at whatever his price tag is for today, I think you'll, you'll gain something eventually this year, but it might not be that much. And if you, if you end up losing a week or two in the meantime, while you're waiting for him to get going, I, I wouldn't do it in that scenario. The other uh, happenings in this game, we saw Julius Thomas, find the end zone three for 28 and six targets for him. Uh, but yeah, the Marquise Lee disappointment really stands out to me. The running game never got going. Chris Ivory, four carries, six yards. TJ Yeldon, three for 20. Uh, the snaps continue to favor Yeldon because the Jags fall behind a lot. When they fall behind, Yeldon's on the field for passing situations. Chris Ivory typically is not. On the Titans side, Marcus Mariota, 270 yards, two TDs. He was 18 for 22 through the air. He was not sacked. He did not get picked off. He did fumble once, but uh, the Titans recovered it. So all things considered, a pretty nice performance from Mariota, and it brought the Titans back to 4-4. Four and four. Yeah, he was very efficient. I didn't expect that because I thought the Jacksonville defense is actually pretty decent. Uh, it certainly has talent, I think. It's, it might not be playing up to its level of talent, but I thought it was average defense at, at worst. Um, it it might have been one of those things where it's like they just were just despairing and kind of quit and let, let the Titans do what they did yesterday. Uh, I'm still not that high on Mariota at this point in season long. I own him pretty much everywhere, so it's not with glee that I say that. Uh, it's just that that team still isn't very talented around him. And it's not every week you get to you get to play against a team that could fire their coach within the next three weeks. It's a gift, really. It's a gift. Uh, DeMarco Murray looked good. Derrick Henry found the end zone. Murray's going to have an MRI on his foot. Mike Malarkey uh, indicating he doesn't think it's serious, but it's enough to send him for an MRI. That's concerning. So, yeah. I don't gonna... recall Murray having any foot issues before. It was always like hamstrings at Dallas and uh, maybe like a shoulder or something like that uh, along the way. 
But a foot is always worrisome. An MRI is not what you you prefer that they just like put him in a precautionary boot and said like now you'll be fine. Yeah, Titans uh, are a few weeks away from their bye. They play all the way through November uh, week thirteen bye for Tennessee. The last possible bye week. Upcoming schedule includes a road trip to San Diego, a home game against the Packers, a road game at Indianapolis and a road game against the Bears. So really not a bad setup for for Murray in this offense in most of those matchups. I mean, the Packers have been the league's best run defense, as you and I have talked about. I think they're a very good run defense. I'm not sure they're actually the league's best run defense when it's all said and done uh, this year. And I think a team like Tennessee, which is built to run the ball effectively, will find a way to have some success on the ground in that matchup. I, yeah, I, I'm generally skeptical of the Green Bay maintaining their best run defense distinction, but I still think they would have the upper hand against Tennessee just because I'm not convinced Tennessee is very good in general, and, and I don't think Derrick Henry is at the level of DeMarco Murray. But uh, if Murray's healthy, then yeah, I wouldn't. it's not like I would worry about the matchup for him. All right, let's talk about some of the injured players uh, that are either going to miss this week or in danger of being ruled out come Sunday. We'll start with Washington. Jordan Reed, questionable as he tries to make his way back from a fifth career concussion. Seems like a terrible idea, especially with the bye week coming up in week nine, but that's where they are with Jordan Reed. They think there's a chance he's going to play, and he felt good after getting on the field uh, for Friday's practice. No Matt Jones for Washington this week, which opens up a lot of touches for Chris Thompson and for Rob Kelly. If you're trying to handicap total touches in the backfield, are you thinking like 15 for Thompson and maybe 8 for Kelly? That's That sounds pretty good. It'll be interesting to see if Washington goes more pass-heavy than they normally would plan to, uh, if only to you know maximize Thompson's skill set and, and perhaps uh, – expose him to less damage uh, between the tackles like maybe you don't want to give him the exact same kind of carry uh distribution that you would give to matt jones but rob kelly i'm not really interested in like we've we've talked about him on the radio maybe on this podcast earlier in the year he's he's basically was he was a backup at tulane like for most of his career he showed some pass catching ability but he he generally was like hurt a lot and wasn't very explosive when he was on the field didn't test very well in the athletic testing before the draft so I'm not convinced he's very good, even though the, the Washington offensive line is good. And uh, Thompson, with especially Thompson there, I, I'm definitely not interested in Kelly. The funny thing, though, is that with Kelly, you could see him taking on goal line carries, even though That's true. the only rushing TD we've seen from Chris Thompson this year was a short like inside the five run against the Steelers back in week one. I think Chris Thompson is totally able to do whatever a starting running back would. It's the, the whole thing all along was like, are, is is he durable enough to withstand it? Uh, Washington coaches clearly decided no. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if they're willing to uh, test that premise as as they you know perhaps get a little desperate for a spark in the running game. You did mention uh, the possibility of Washington deciding to air it out. It would make sense. The Bengals are kind of on the fringe of the bottom 10 as far as pass defenses go. 7.7 yards per attempt allowed, uh, 14 TDs, so averaging two a game allowed to opposing passers, uh, and a 96.7 passer rating against. So if there's a, a weakness in the Cincinnati defense, it does appear to be through the air. Right. I don't. I don't. I can't claim to know whether it's uh, a certain part of the defense. If it's if it's more tight ends and slot receivers than boundary receivers, but if it's if it's Washington, that's you know we're talking about Deshaun Jackson. I think is the kind of player who's matchup proof in the sense that his outcomes aren't really determined by the defense. It's more about like whether his quarterback can hit him downfield. Uh, yeah, but obviously has a far. Uh, depth of target so I think he's interesting as a GPP consideration if you buy into the idea that Washington might throw more than usual because of Jones being out uh, otherwise though it's it's so it's so risky to try to separate you know whether Garcon or Crowder is going to be especially useful their, their prices have been down generally so they're, they're justifiable enough I guess uh, but I'd rather, you know, if I'm going in on that team, it'd probably be Deshaun or Chris Thompson. And if Vernon Davis gets full clearance, maybe him. Jamal Charles will not play against the Colts. He had some swelling in his surgically repaired knee going into last week, played two snaps, carried the ball once. Didn't make any sense to me that he was on the field. Uh, Sharkandrick West will back up Spencer Ware for this week. If you're a Charles owner in a season-long league right now, I mentioned this with Jeff Stotts on the radio show, I almost wonder if you have to look at Charles as just the handcuff to Spencer Ware. Yeah, it's it's 
at that point to me though it's still just because of his health like it's obviously that he had that he's not able to play this week shows the knee is still a problem I'm really curious if we're going to find out after this year that there was an additional issue with his knee other than the ACL that just hasn't been reported or disclosed to this point something involving cartilage maybe a second ligament or something like that because it's just it's just bizarre that a player like him he's still not that old he's like 29 uh obviously 29 is different than 25 or whenever he last had an ACL tear but it just doesn't feel right that it would take him this long to come back and that he would have these kinds of problems with it unless there was some kind of other deterioration factor to consider yeah if you give him time off though now through the end of the month and bring him back the end of november i guess he's got a few days left in october bring him back in december maybe you could see him play a larger role then but the chiefs aren't providing any indication he's out beyond this week it just seems like a, a possibility given that they have a very good back right now in spencer where yeah, they try to good. rest charles up a bit longer maybe get him back to be a useful piece down the stretch and perhaps in the playoffs. Uh, Doug Martin out this week again. Didn't seem like he was really making any progress either. It's been kind of... Uh, well, that setback, we don't even know what that even means. Like, he could be... They could, they could know internally that he's just out for like a month or more or something like that, and they don't have to tell us anything, which they're not going to, I don't think. Yeah, five consecutive games now after the setback he suffered two weeks ago. The weird thing is, is going into that week six bye... He was supposed to come back in week seven, and I was getting all sorts of, of questions on Twitter about trading for Martin, you know, on the week that he was off because he was supposed to come back. He'd have the bye week out of the way. From week seven on, you'd have a good lead back. I mean, Jacquez Rogers has been way better than I would have expected in Martin's absence, and even Peyton Barber uh, put up pretty efficient numbers last week. I think a lot of that came on one long carry, but the Bucks don't seem to have a pressing need to push Martin back right now because the, the ground game seems to be just fine. Right. It's another in an endless list of examples why you don't need to invest much in the running back position to get totally sufficient production from the position because Rodgers was just unwanted in the league. Like people, There were a lot of teams that didn't want him as their third running back, let alone uh, consider him for some kind of meaningful role in the offense. And he's showing, like, actually, you, you can have just a guy at running back and, and you can do what you need to in the running game. So I, th- I think he can keep producing as long as he's getting the touches. And certainly in PPR, he has a very high floor as long as Martin is out. Chakwiz Rogers has 56 carries in the last two games, uh, two he started since the um, injury to Doug Martin. And, yeah, it could be a few more weeks. The schedule is, is crazy good. San Francisco last week, home against Oakland this week. Uh, home against Atlanta isn't great, but I think Tampa's offense is good enough. Revenge narrative. Oh, and, and the revenge. Of course, the revenge. We need a revenge button. I should just push R, and it should have... The, the revenge alarm. Revenge, uh, I, I think it would be a, a, like a little like a little mashup of a few different things. Kind of like a, a liner for a segment rejoin. Like somebody screaming from some kind of movie or something. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It, some kind of witty line like a, I don't know, clint eastwood line or something that and then maybe like a, a really angry like country music star the singing s- about revenge the sound of defenestration that just sounds like glass shattering doesn't it unless, unless it's it, like a really old like a castle window where there's no glass it's just like a big wood shutter that opens and yeah, closes I guess you're right you're right you're right i i don't know we, the guy going like ah you just use that from now on for the revenge game sound. Uh, Deshaun Jackson also questionable in that Washington game. He got buried outside of the uh, the Redskins notes. Des Bryant likely in this week. Uh, I don't know if playing him in, in daily is necessary. We, we talked about FanDuel on the XM show, the pricing with a lot of other receivers, Doug Baldwin, Brandon Cooks, among them being similar, didn't really make any sense to throw Bryant out there, even though it doesn't seem as though he's going to have any real limitations in his first game back against the Eagles. Right. I am worried about any particular passing game going against that Eagles pass rush, though, and, and as a as great as Dak Prescott has been and as convincing as I find Dak Prescott to be, He's still a rookie. He still hasn't seen anything like uh, this Eagles defense since perhaps he, I don't know, played against Alabama last year or something like that. It's, it is possible for him to be overwhelmed, and I'm concerned that this is a setting where it could occur. I, at the same time, think they're not going to give him much volume. I think they're going to try to get Ezekiel Elliott to that 30 carry mark, and I'm, I'm thinking that as long as they don't give up a bunch of points to the, to the Eagles offense, 
that's something that will happen. Yeah, the Zeke show, I think, is going to be spectacular coming off the bye. The Eagles with that wide nine defense, not good against the run. Uh, there should be plenty of room for Zeke on the inside. Lamar Miller, apparently a game-time decision. We talked about this like two hours ago, and it didn't seem that serious, but Bill O'Brien, uh, elite cusser Bill O'Brien, coming out to say that it looks as though Miller's availability won't be known until about 90 minutes prior to kickoff. Hmm. which is fine. Uh, if Alfred Blue is available in your league and you're a Miller owner or if you're just looking for help at running back, I mean, it's a matchup against the Lions. If Miller were to get ruled out, Alfred Blue actually would be interesting to me this week, even though I don't think Alfred Blue is very good. No, I don't think he's very I would. I would almost see if I could pick him up and then just hold him hostage to the Lamar Miller owner in the league and try to get a quick upgrade at another position or something because Alfred Blue is not very good. Uh, he was like a third stringer at LSU. To be fair, he was behind Jeremy Hill. Uh, so it's not as if he was, you know, a, a bum or something. But he he was a backup in college. He didn't have great athletic testing. He hasn't done much in the NFL. It's just a guy. Uh, but he he could do pretty well against the Lions if Miller is out, uh, in the sense that he might get twenty touches. A lot of injury info on this Friday. C.J. Anderson, we're finding out, had his meniscus repaired, not trimmed. The repair actually leads to a longer uh, recovery. So we're talking about months rather than weeks. Uh, IR, I think, is a possibility with C.J. Anderson, although I don't know if it's happened as of yet. I haven't heard anything either, but yeah, I'm super, I am not mad about this. I own C.J. Anderson in in the stake league, but I'm not mad or or freaking out or anything. I am starting uh, somehow, uh, who am I starting this week? I'm starting Peyton Barber and like Dwayne Washington in that league. And and I also had Keenan Allen and Eric Decker and it's uh, it's just uh, it doesn't look good for me. You gotta make a trade with Harry. Harry has all the running backs. Yeah, but Harry's smart. He wouldn't like he, he would he would take like all my remaining equity or, and somehow, and I, I'll just I'll just sink even faster. If we played a, a big game of Monopoly in the office, like who do you think would have the the most advanced understanding of like how to leverage their position the best in that game? I don't know much about Monopoly. If it's if it's something that is actually like um, strategy based rather than random, uh, I would I would imagine Harry and Pete Merrill would would kind of run the table. It's a mix of, of, yeah. of strategy and luck. I mean, you do have to land in good spaces. There are but, dice involved, I guess. Yeah, I mean there are there are dice involved after all. But Devonte Booker, I think rest of season, are we talking about a, a top ten running back, top five? I mean, in Kubiak's system. The ceiling is crazy high. Very reliable system, and I think Booker is a good player too. It's not like he's he's um. Whereas like Alfred Blue is really not someone I would expect to be in the league in three years from now. Booker was quite a good prospect. I, th- I think the most pessimistic grade you could give him was third round before taking into account the meniscus issue that pushed him down to the was he a fifth round pick? It was either the end of the fourth, fourth or round. Fifth, yeah, yeah, he was a compensatory selection in the fourth round, or he was an early fifth, like I think right after Kenneth Dixon. Um, in that range, but he was he was a three down player at, at uh, Utah. He I don't know if you you might compare him to kind of like an, a mod Bradshaw type, but a little bigger, a little slower, um, but very good pass catcher. So there's there's plenty of upside with him. Like he he was he was a player who I think would have surprised no one to go in the second round if it hadn't been for that lingering knee issue. Yeah, pretty excited to have Booker a few places. And unfortunate that took an injury for C.J. Anderson for that opportunity to come up, but it looks like Booker will have that job uh, going forward. Dwayne Allen out again with the ankle injury. More Jack Doyle. Right. Uh, Doyle's obviously getting the usage. Andrew Luck throws to the tight end reliably. He was a good player in college, too. He was at Western Kentucky, and he was quite good there. So it's not shocking to see him stick in the NFL, even though he went undrafted, I think. So he's he's going to keep going. The, I don't like the matchup so much this week for him. Uh, I guess the only pass catcher I really like on Indianapolis is uh, T.Y. Hilton. But Doyle should get his targets. So Doing the T.Y. signal over here, which looks a lot like a YMCA dance. Uh, Dante Moncrief in this week also for the Colts. I've been trying to avoid him as far as throwing him out there in season long. GPP, maybe you're right. Maybe there is some appeal. This is this is the one spot where it's kind of a cost-dependent sort of decision and a matter of whether or not you've gone a little bit off 
off the chalk anywhere else in your lineup. If you've got a very chalky lineup otherwise, and Moncrief is the one thing you do that's different, I think there might be a case to be made for using him that way. Right. He'll definitely be a lot more owned in tournaments than cash games, which is not to say much. I don't think he'll be on more than like three people's cash lineups. But he he makes sense if he can avoid uh, Marcus Peters, stay away from, from him, then, you know, if he's healthy, he was a player who had high expectations going into this year. Andrew Luck, I think, can throw the ball against Kansas City, if only because I don't think their pass rush can capitalize on his horrible offensive line. And if Luck has time, I, I like him against, you know, most defenses. It's just, I've, I've stayed away from him for most of this year because the, the offensive line that he has is just ghastly. Uh, he's he, it's like a it's like a bull fight or something a lot of the time where it's just the there's just a curtain pulled up and then the, the linemen are after him so he he won't have to deal with that against a Kansas City team I hope he won't have to deal with that anyway uh, that against a Kansas City team that has I think so far the league's most unproductive pass rush I'm surprised bullfighting never took off in the U S I mean to be serious it is the most I mean. Not that it's fundamentally different from like you know a meat factory or something, but it's it's a such a cowardly, stupid sport. Not that I want to you know give it credibility by calling it a sport. It's it's just it's just slaughter spectacle. Yeah, that's that's probably the best way to label it. Uh, Shady McCoy doubtful to play this week. I, let's just go ahead and assume he's not playing. Doubtful typically does mean out, and the Bills. Screwed it up. They shouldn't have played him last week. If they didn't play him last week, I think there's a chance they actually get good mileage out of him this week. Probably going to see a lot of Mike Gillisley instead. Yeah, that was very stupid to have him play last week, especially because Gillisley is... That's exactly the setting where you would expect him to be able to step up and do just enough uh, for what they need from him. Now you're going against the Patriots where it's like, wow, I wish we had a healthy LaShawn McCoy because Gillisley is probably not enough to to get us the upset. And maybe maybe they still do somehow. I'm... I'm I wouldn't expect that, but Gillis Lee is is a great value in DraftKings. I'm trying to. I think he's only like thirty five hundred or thirty eight thirty eight hundred. Um, so it's very cheap. Even if you hate the matchup, which I mean, you, you pretty much have to. It's it's too easy to imagine him getting like fourteen carries for sixty yards and a touchdown and and you know f- three or four catches or something. Uh, I think I think Gillis Lee is a pretty decent player, but McCoy is is pretty close, either great or pretty close to it. Uh, it's it's a huge downgrade, and it's basically because they were just stupid with using his managing his work uh, the last week. Patriots averaging uh, 3.8 yards per carry allowed this season on the ground it ranks them 23rd uh, in in a, in a bad way. So you you you, you want to avoid the Patriots run defense when yeah. possible. Game flow could also work against Gillisley and the Bills if uh, Brady and company can open up a, a lead early in this one doesn't seem like uh, much of a stretch to bank on that happening Jerick McKinnon uh, shed the walking boot he was wearing Thursday uh, when he was spotted on Friday his status really won't be known until Saturday's practice given that the Vikings don't play until Monday right I I don't know if if, uh, it's realistic to expect him to play against the the Bears I don't think they need him to win and they give so much work to Asiata it's it's uh, it's not as if they're dependent on him in any particular scenario uh, I still like McKinnon. You mentioned on the radio he might be a good buy low target if people are getting impatient with him. Uh, he still looks very fast, very quick, uh, pretty good leg drive for running back his size. And uh, like like I said on the radio, I haven't seen any concerning you know vision trace with him. It's not like he he doesn't know where he's going. I think it's just a combination of he's had some tough draws and uh, you know noise in the small sample size as well as that uh, we're seeing teams sell out against the run against the Vikings because Bradford has not been making them pay for it. Uh, if Bradford can get going, especially this this Monday game against the Bears, I think you see a little bit more favorable of, of an outcome for McKinnon the following game. Tevin Coleman out with a hamstring injury for this week, so we'll see a lot of Devontae Freeman going up against the Packers' league-leading run defense. I think that does make uh, Freeman more viable, getting all the snaps potentially in the Atlanta backfield for this week. Uh, Browns quarterback news and receiver news, too. Josh McCowan starts... Cody Kessler's out with that concussion. Kevin Hogan, I believe, suits up as the backup. And Corey Coleman, who started the practice this week, coming off of a broken hand, he is not going to play. He's officially been ruled out. I believe Terrell Pryor is technically listed as questionable, but it looks as though he'll be able to play, at least in some capacity. Right. I would be pretty surprised if he doesn't play, but I'd really like some encouraging reporting to come out on his injury because I really want to use him 
against the Jets. And on DraftKings, he's very affordable. I want, I'm trying to look this up. Uh, 6,100 to go against a Jets defense that is probably one of the three worst in the league. Pryor could easily see 10-plus targets in that setting. So, yeah, he'd, he'd be at least a, a – I think he'd be viable in cash and tournament both on DraftKings, um, probably industry-wide. And, uh, yeah, so I, I hope he gets the green light well before the kickoff so I can feel a little better about that. Yeah, it could be a good spot given just how bad the – uh, Jets secondary has been throughout this season among the worst pass defenses in the league on a pretty consistent basis uh, up until this point. Need a website? Why not do it yourself with Wix.com? No matter what business you're in, Wix.com has something for you. Used by more than 84 million people worldwide, Wix.com makes it easy to get your website live today. You want to get the word out about your business, and it all starts with a stunning website. With hundreds of designer-made customizable templates to choose from and the drag-and-drop editor, there's no coding needed. You don't need to be a programmer or designer to create something beautiful. You can do it yourself with Wix.com. Wix.com empowers business owners to create their own professional websites every day. When you're running your own business, you're bound to be busy. Too busy. Too busy worrying about your budget. Too busy scheduling appointments. Too busy to build a website for your business. And because you're too busy, it has to be easy. And that's where Wix.com comes in. With Wix.com, it's easy and free. Go to Wix.com to create your own website today. The result is stunning. All right, our final segment of the week. It's always something in the neighborhood of guys we like on DraftKings. And it's a very free-flowing sort of conversation. We go position by position, uh, pointing out guys that we think are underpriced. In some cases, we'll just talk about a player who has a ridiculously bad price because it's fun to do that uh, as well. But starting at the quarterback spot, uh, I know you like Jameis quite a bit when we were talking on the radio show. Yeah, 5700 is a, a throwaway sort of price if you're playing the Millie Maker or Cash or whatever. I think Jameis is a viable option, really both in, in GPP and in cash games i think he's better in cash if only because he'll probably be a popular pick but uh his price is low to the point that i think he's justifiable in gpp because his the, the savings can can net you gains in other areas which uh adds up i feel like there'd be a small amount of value if we looked at the list and we're like okay tom brady letter grade like how good of a play like um b at that price aaron Rodgers d minus you know and like maybe people would like that but uh it, it'd be excessive Right. Uh, as far as other bargains, I, I I think McCown is totally interesting at fifty two hundred. If Pryor is in, if Pryor's out, I I'm worried that the rest of the the, the offense will just undermine him too much. Uh, if you're looking to pay up a bit, uh, the top five doesn't really interest me. Uh, I, I guess I guess I'd be I'd pretty much just be luck. The first one going top to bottom that I'm interested in sixty eight hundred for him. I don't mind Matt Ryan at 7000 going up against the Packers. That's not a yeah. bad price. It's the highest over-under of the week at 52.5. The Green Bay secondary still not great. The health's been a big part of that. Uh, but you could go Ryan with Julio and, and probably just leave it at that. You don't have to go with, with a bigger stack than that. And I think you'll find enough value across the board at every other position where you can get away with it. Yeah, you're right. Uh, Ryan Ryan is a good play. I, I, I was too skeptical too skeptical of him going into this year and, and even deep into this year uh the last few weeks though it's it's clear like he's a he's definitely better than i thought i'm with you though on the mccallan call for for big gpps i think that could be a good way to go uh, what do you think about Derek carr at 5900 against oh James, right yeah uh, that's another Bucks. yeah i think winston and, and carr will be the two highest well, two of the four or five highest owned in any case i'm guessing russell wilson gets pretty highly owned um especially in GPPs, Luck, perhaps, uh, perhaps Ryan, like you were saying. But I really like Carr a lot, too. I, I, I'm skeptical that the Raiders will be able to run much on Tampa Bay, and, and yet I think they will score points, so I have to conclude I, I basically like Carr's chances of, of putting up points. The weird thing is that we now live in an environment where playing Aaron Rodgers, and it's because of the price. I mean, he's 7500 He's the second most expensive quarterback behind Tom Brady this week. But playing Aaron Rodgers in the game that has the highest over-under of the week is now a contrarian play. Right. I am not really interested in him at that price. And it's they've looked bad enough to me that I, I, I probably, in a lot of contexts, prefer like a guy like Winston straight up just because I'm, I'm, I'm more confident that he just won't have a 5.5 yard per attempt game. And... Uh, yeah, it's that's something that's Rodgers. Rodgers had had trouble with this for over a year now. 
I think at some point he'll snap out of it, but it's it's been a long time. Look at the volume these last three games. 45, 42, and 56 attempts for Aaron Rodgers. Uh, this week it's the Falcons. Next week, home against the Colts. Uh, at Tennessee in Week 10 is not a great matchup, but one in which you're not going to like sit Rodgers in a season-long league. It's Washington in Week 11. So the next four weeks might be that window for him to really start to turn things around. Uh, a couple tough matchups later in the year. Uh, Seattle in Week 14, I guess the Eagles in Week 12 on the road would count as one. And then Minnesota, even though it's at home, in Week 16 could also be a pretty stiff challenge based on how the Vikings have handled opposing passing games all year, including Green Bay in their first meeting. Right. I yeah, I definitely didn't want him uh, in my in season long. I don't think I'd even be able to start him if I had a vaguely decent alternative that week, which yeah, as you you know, the original point of uh it's crazy how things have changed. Like I never like if you had, if you had put up a a bet proposition to me like uh I predict in 2016 you will be willing to play uh Colin Kaepernick against the, the Raiders or something over Rodgers against the Vikings and I would have like smugly taken the bet. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, some, I, I would like him better in dynasty than season long, to be honest. Like if, if you can get him in dynasty, I, I, I can't really believe that this would last beyond this year or soon into the next year, but this year it, it's hard to see where the light is in the tunnel. I mean, if it continues this year, the Packers could be bad enough where Mike McCarthy gets fired and then that reboots everything. That would be interesting. I, I don't know what to expect in a scenario like that, but I, it is something that has to be on the table given how profound and persistent their issues have been. Packers head coach Josh McDaniels. Ugh, I'm not really under that one, but uh, I don't know. We'll we'll see. Uh, it's it's. I think they'll be good enough that they won't fire him. But it is interesting to wonder if uh, they they'd be better off, you know, cutting bait and trying something new. It seems like. McCarthy does the same thing over and over again, expecting a, a different result. Uh, we mentioned McCowan, though, at 5,200. Jameis at 5,700. And Derek Carr, 5,900. Three very viable options below the $6,000 price point. I wonder if Carson Palmer will be extremely low-owned this week. I mean, the Arizona offense, of course, sputtered with the exception of David Johnson in that matchup against Seattle. The Carolina secondary has been brutal. I know they're coming off the bye week and they're rested. It's a long trip across the country for Arizona. The counter-argument to even taking a chance on Palmer is that he might just be permanently broken. But as far as the setup goes, if you have any faith in him at all, this would be a, a surprisingly good spot for him to try it out. It is. I don't think I have any interest because I'd, I'd be shocked if he had like a big game. It's. I think at this point he's merely striving to have a non-liability game, which he should have. But I, I don't. I still think you know David Johnson and Larry Fitzgerald are the only things you can count on on that team. Let's take a look at the running backs. David Johnson leading the way, 7,700. We got Kristen Michael, 7,300. Zeke, 7,200. LaShawn McCoy, who's doubtful, 7,100. Go ahead and cross him off at this point. Spencer Ware, only 6,800 in a a week where he matches up against the Colts, and there's no threat of Jamal Charles this week. Even though Charles hasn't been getting volume, there was always a concern, at least a small one. If you were using Ware in these previous weeks, when Charles was going to be in the fold, Charles' role might have increased, and with that, Ware's role may have decreased. Now it looks like he's got that backfield almost to himself. Right. I would guess he would be the chalkiest running back play this week. Uh, 6800 is a very nice price for him. Uh, I, I like Kristen Michael a lot, too, so I, I would be trying to get a share of him. Uh, we established we really like Zeke. He's $100 less than Michael. Other than that, uh, I'm pretty much off of Miller upon hearing this game time decision talk, especially given his history of shoulder issues. Uh, Blount at 5,300 might be one of the four or five most chalky this week. It's hard to argue. Uh, Blunt, sorry. Uh, <laughs> I can't argue against it, but I, I, I think I'm, I, for some reason, I, I'm not believing there's enough upside there for me to have much interest at 5,300. I actually like Rod, Jackie's Rogers at 5,800. I think he might be uh, lower owned than, than you would guess because of the price being so close so proximate to the other guys he's only like 500 less than uh lamar miller uh but i love the matchup and in, in ppr he's he's got such a high floor looks like theo riddick is going to be back in the equation for the lions too we didn't talk about him during the injury segment because he appears to be healthy now he's 5,000. Uh, i wonder though how much the emergence of golden tate changes the game plan uh, with respect to how much theo riddick gets to catch the ball maybe there's no correlation it just 
it's weird that in Riddick's absence, we finally saw Golden Tate get back on track. Right. I think he's I think he's locked in for about six to eight targets, and I think he actually makes a lot of sense as a GPP play because uh, Houston's run defense has been more vulnerable than its pass defense, and its pass defense, uh, just by virtue of being good, it means bad things for Marvin Jones and Golden Tate, which means that I think this might be a scenario where Stafford checks down a lot. So maybe he gets more like 10 targets. Maybe, maybe Theo Riddick does something this week that looks like, you know, Ty Montgomery with the Packers or something. Some other running back considerations as you get below 5,000. Um, I'm not one to go after Ryan Matthews at 4,000. The volume's been unpredictable. No. So I'd go even cheaper than that. I mean, Gillisley is 38. So that's something. Gillisley at 38 is, is in the mix. And then, that might be it. It's not one of those weeks where you go cheaper and find uh, a lot of throwaway types that you like. The Alfred Blue at three thousand immediately becomes an option if Lamar right. is in fact ruled out. Right. He's he's the other one basically. I, w- I would say like Peyton Barber, but I'm not convinced he's got enough upside to warrant the the risk even in a GPP setting. Let's shift the focus over to wide receiver, where Julio Jones is 9,600, and Mike Evans, as the next closest uh, wide receiver, is at 8,100. A lot of teams on by, which is part of the reason why there aren't as many viable, cheap options this week as there have been in other weeks uh, this season. Do you pay that premium for Julio, or do you build around guys like Evans and T.Y. Hilton at 7,900 and you know Brandon Cooks even at 7,300? It's definitely hard to fit in Julio in a cash lineup, but he makes a, he's probably like the top GPP play at the position for DraftKings because uh, it's not often you can get him in a setting where the A matchup is good and B ownership might not be through the roof. So he, he he'll be higher owned than GPPs I think than cash games, but it's something to uh, get in one of your uh, tournament lineups at least I think. Looking a bit cheaper if you start looking at the second tier, or third tier receivers even. Will Fuller, six thousand against the Lions, might be that's interesting. Might be good for GPPs. Uh, Jeremy Macklin, a six thousand dollar player this week. He's been disappointing two weeks in a row against the, the Raiders and Saints because the Chiefs haven't had to throw it that much. I think it actually makes a lot of sense to continue rolling with Macklin because there's going to be a week where Alex Smith has to throw it 32, 34, 36 times, and when that happens, you're going to get that ten or twelve target game from Macklin which should get you seven or eight catches, maybe 100 yards, and probably a TD. Yeah, and this is the kind of setting where it would happen if, if we think that Luck will have a good game. It makes it more likely that Smith will go over that 30-attempt threshold. I probably won't be on Macklin so much myself just because uh, it's it's hard to stay away from Ty Montgomery at 5,300 if, if, like me, you believe he's the best running back on the Packers. Uh, especially when when we know they'll, they're going to use him because they as a pass catcher because the the downfield passing I'm not expecting to just f- be fixed in this game. Um, yeah, I like Will Fuller as a GPP play. I, I cannot stand Brock Osweiler, but uh, the the Detroit Lions I think are the worst pass defense in the in the league right now. Is Devonte Adams a fade for you at 4900? Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't really like argue against somebody using him. It's just that I'm not convinced he's he's reliable enough and has enough upside to to make it a worthwhile price tag. Quincy and Nunwa, 4800 yeah, against the Browns. Love him. Love him. Uh 4800 for him and he was getting reliable targets before last week. He's he's still a, a big fast receiver. Uh, I, I really, really like him at 4,800. I have him in the lineup that I'm working on at the moment. I've not found a lot of success going with three-man stacks. I tend to do better just pairing one pass catcher with a quarterback and yeah. uh, mixing and matching otherwise. But Mohamed Sanu at 4,100 gets you some salary relief, also uh, kind of makes it possible to, to have Julio Jones in that regard. But then you know, it's not a bad spot given Green Bay's woes against opposing wide receivers on a weekly basis. Worth noting, he's only averaging a bit over six yards per target. But uh, this, I guess, you know, the point of GPP is low ownership and anticipating the unlikely. Uh, it's it's justifiable from a matchup standpoint and price standpoint. Uh, you were on Russell, Russell Shepard a bit. He's a uh, thirty six hundred, I think, on here. Thirty three. Oh, thirty three. Okay, so yeah, there's there's your uh, I guess GPP uh, pairing with with Jameis Winston. I, I think it makes sense at that price to to take both Evans and Shepard uh, because the, it's about eleven thousand four hundred between the two of them. Uh, I agree with normally I only go with one uh, stack pass catcher quarterback wise. But uh, with with a price that low between what could be like, you know, 70 percent of the share of whatever Winston throws for, I think it makes sense to pair those two with Winston. The only thing that has me 
second guessing Russell Shepard right now is the note I saw on our site earlier today uh, from Dirk Cutter saying that he's going to limit Shepard to approximately 30 offensive snaps oh, that's due to his importance on special teams. Uh, that's 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 lame. I mean, it could just be coach speak, lying, not a thing, but it is something to keep in mind. That How about instead of Shepard, we pay 600 more in a GPP? This is uh, Tyler Lockett against the Saints. No one's going to have him. If, if this was a matchup in week one, he might have been like 20% owned in a GPP. Uh, yeah, I mean, if it's going to happen for Tyler Lockett, this would be the setting for it, wouldn't it? Yeah, I would think so, and I still think he's a really good player. Um, but it's uh, yeah, the, the usage and his his health and Russell Wilson's health have conspired to to make him useless so far. Six catches on ten targets in his last three games, but thirty nine hundred is that price on Tyler Lockett. Kind of an interesting GPP uh, pivot, if you will. Uh, anything else as you look a little cheaper down? I mean, Adam Humphreys is three thousand. You mentioned before on the XM show. Humphreys wasn't much of a prospect coming out of Clemson, and if you're taking a chance on one of those depth receivers for Tampa Bay, you might as well just pay the extra 300 for Shepard. I mean, he, he did what he did last week. It was 5 for 77 and a score on 27 offensive snaps. So it's not as though he's produced with a larger role, and now they're just saying, hey, we got to dial this back. It's just more of the same with Russell Shepard. Right, and you're you're already categorically looking at long shots in this, this discussion, so it's it's you can't be totally uh, pushed off just because he might not play more than 35 snaps. At the tight end position, Gronk is 7,000, Olsen 6,500, Jimmy Graham going back into New Orleans 6,100. Pretty much the same takeaway I had on, on Jeremy Macklin applies to Travis Kelsey. He's at 4,900. Uh, you go cheaper than that, it's Martellus Bennett at 4,000, Hunter Henry 3,700, Jack Doyle 3,500. I think Doyle Dollars, uh, dollar wise, is maybe the best value tight end on the board this week. I think you can look down a little lower. Actually, Fedorowicz, CJ Fedorowicz is twenty eight hundred. Uh, what is his name? Uh, Brait is thirty two hundred going against Oakland. I think it makes sense to do a, a Jimmy Graham, Fedorowicz, and the flex kind of thing if you're trying to make room for Julio or some high priced quarterback. Uh, it's it, and Doyle, by the way, is a totally good play. I'm not uh, bashing him at all, uh, but it, yeah, I, I'm pretty interested in Fedorowicz at, at 2800. Thinking about Gronk, only if I throw Brady in, and I think if I'm going to use Edelman, it makes more sense on DraftKings where you're getting the full point per reception yeah. than it does on sites where you're you're getting either nothing or a half point for every catch. I will say if if Edelman is in the slot, that might be bad for this matchup because Nikel Roby, the slot corner for Buffalo, has done a really good job this year. Uh, with that said, I mean he I I don't think he's used in any like specific uh, just rigid role like that. Let's move on to the defenses. Is it a, just the Broncos week at 3,700, or is there someone else that you like? I probably would go with the Broncos just because I get so uneasy trying to get you know cute at the defensive spot. It's, it's so hard to pick a good one, and this week particular with the Vikings playing on Monday, it's really hard to find something on the Sunday slate. And, yeah, a bunch of teams on by. I mean, I, I liked the Ravens last week against the Jets. That would that ended up being just fine. Uh, most weeks I, I like the uh, Chiefs because they have the ability to make big plays, force turnovers, but they don't seem ideally suited to take advantage of the Colts' poor offensive line. We talked about it on the radio. The Chiefs uh, do not get to opposing passers nearly as often as we've come to expect. Right, and that's almost singularly due to Justin Houston's injury. When he gets back into shape, I think they'll, you'll see that defense look very different, but he's not. Uh, I don't think he's supposed to play this week. Contrarian defense play? Would that be what, like Arizona against Cam? I don't even know if it's that contrarian. It's like 2,700. I don't know if this is contrarian either, but my second defensive pick would probably be Houston going against Detroit. Uh, if only because I, I just I don't like the idea of Stafford going against what's been basically like a top five pass defense through this point, and I'm not convinced that Detroit will be able to run much on them. Uh, I can see it being a game like a lot of checkdowns to Theo Riddick, and and when when pressing to to catch up in the second half, Stafford you know starts to make ill advised throws that he wouldn't make in the first half, and if if not in a you know desperate situation. Got anything else uh, on tap for this week that you keep it in mind? I mean, something for the flex. I mentioned a two tight end strategy. Anything else jumping out? Uh, no, I think we've got pretty much everybody I like. And uh, yeah, like I just 
raced through a lineup right here and went with Winston, Booker, Zeke, Anunua, Russell Shepard, Julio, uh, Jimmy Graham, and Jacquees Rogers. And it's kind of kind of interesting to me for a GPP consideration. Uh, so that's what my uh, stupid internal uh, optimizer just spit out. All right, we should we should put like our lineups against the RotoWire optimizer and just see. Well, I'm not trying to look bad, but um, yeah, I guess it would be an interesting experiment if man I could if I could maintain machine. my pride. Yeah, man versus machine. It's always always interesting. I always root for humanity. In the those the future of fantasy sports uh, prognostication punditry is just going to be uh, optimizers that are given like voices. Hmm. Yeah. Inter- interesting thought. Pigeons replace the factory workers. Uh, talking optimizers replace us. If we can get pigeons to bring us coffee, I'm I'm okay with that. Uh, I I'm I'm uh, for the proletariat, so I am against employing pigeons in any capacity. Yeah, I guess that that would be one drawback. That, that might drive down wages a bit. Well, it, your 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 options are drone or pigeon. That, that's why I'd rather just have it be a pigeon. Uh, but someone has to fly the drone. At least the, at least the pigeon has a family, perhaps that it's supporting with uh, the seeds that we pay it. Yeah. Right. So maybe that ends up being the the lesser of two evils. That's going to wrap things up for the Week 8 Friday episode of the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Mario, thanks for stepping in for Tim. Hopefully we'll get a chance to chat with you again on a Friday at some other point with maybe a little more notice. Yeah, that'd be fun. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Nick and I are back with you on Monday. Good luck in Week 8. Sam Adams, we're constantly improving who we are, what we do, and how we brew. We may craft over 60 styles of beer, but it's Boston Lager that has captured the heart of America since 1984. With its deep amber color, caramel notes, and signature hop character, what better to have in your pint glass? Sam Adams, Boston Lager. Pursue better. Boston Beer Company, Boston Mass, safe responsibly. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.